Welcome to the IEEE Future Networks podcast series, Podcasts with the Experts, an IEEE Future Directions Digital Studio production. In this episode, we bring you part one of a two-part podcast on 5G security. In part one, our experts discuss foundational security capabilities, and in part two, the focus is on use cases, including device and application security. Our subject matter experts are Ashutosh Dutta and Oman Hamad, who are co-chairs of the security working group of the International Network Generations Roadmap. Ashutosh is also co-chair of the IEEE Future Networks Initiative and a senior scientist with John Hopkins University Applied Physics Lab. Aman is an industrial and IoT security specialist in cybersecurity and privacy with PwC Canada. Ashutosh and Aman, thank you for taking some time today to contribute to the IEEE Future Networks podcast series. Can you tell us about 5G security and why this generation presents a unique set of risks? 5G is uh, different uh, than previous generations uh, in many ways. Uh, the previous generation, when I say, is 1G, 2G, uh, 3G, and 4G. Previous generations of network, they mostly focused on um, a bandwidth uh, intensive application. On the other hand, 5G networks um, not only focuses on massive bandwidth type application, but also focuses on massive sensing and ultra uh, low latency type applications. So in order to support that, there is a need to design a end-to-end architecture or network that is flexible, adaptive, and scalable enough uh, to react to the changes in the network uh, quite rapidly and efficiently. Uh, Thus, 5G has adopted uh, many new technologies uh, in various parts of the network. Um, that includes uh, changes in the radio access network, such as new radio, MIMO, millimeter wave, uh, in the core network, separation of user plane, control plane, uh, surface-based architecture, densification of cells, uh, entities like edge clouds, software-defined networking, uh, network slicing, device-to-device communication, and IoT, etc. So security requirements uh, for 5G just need to overlay and permeate through different layers of 5G systems, including physical, network, and application, as well as different parts of end-to-end 5G architecture. And that will also include the risk management framework and take into account um, evolving security threats landscape. So while these enablers bring various benefits and features Uh, It also increases the threat landscape due to the introduction of these uh, new enablers or technologies. For example, uh, the additional SDN and NAB components and network functions, uh, they increase the threat attack surface and expose the end-to-end system uh, to additional cyber threats. Some of the security risks that are pertinent to 5G may include network slicing threats, such as denial of service to other slices, or side channel attacks across slices. And these risks are amplified, for example, when a certain slice is dedicated to a specific critical set of applications, such as emergency response. So in all in all, uh, 5G network, although it includes a lot of features and adds some enablers, it also increases the landscape, a threat landscape by posing unique set of risks. Um, just one thing on the last 
last uh, point you mentioned, uh, when we when 5G evolved to carry more of the critical and uh, um, more of the cyber physical uh, applications and use cases such as smart cities, transportation, energy systems, um, uh, these kind of uh, risks that might hinder the infrastructure will have a serious impact on um, where 5G is trying to enable the applications uh, specifically for such use cases. Um, so we are looking at a very uh, different landscape because of all the pieces that build the 5G uh, system. What are the additional security pillars in 5G ecosystems? Sure. Um, so when you uh, look at 5G ecosystem, um, basically looking at end-to-end, -end, right? Uh, you have a device, um, you have radio access network, you have edge cloud, uh, you have core network, and you also have applications. And if I look into the different pillars, um, I can, and from end-to-end -end perspective, uh, these pillars uh, enable 5G features, right? But at the same time, uh, we are also looking at the risks that are associated with pillars. And I can just name a few. Um, start with uh, cloud RAN security, SDN controller security, proactive security analytics, uh, virtual agent security or hypervisor container-based security, orchestration security, network slicing security, open source security, security function uh, virtualization, and faster authentication. So these are some of the additional um, components where we have to uh, look minutely what are the additional risks those are uh, provided by adding these new uh, 5G enablers. Uh, for example, if you have uh, SDN controller that gives you the programmability and flexibility, adaptability on the network, but at the same time, uh, there are additional risks on the SDN controller. If SDN controller is under attack, or this configuration gets changed, or somebody hacks into SDN controller through northbound API or southbound API, the whole programmable part becomes completely uh, contaminated. So instead of stopping a bad traffic, it's going to allow the bad traffic to go through. Similarly, if you have uh, orchestration security, if you do not have enough security uh, on the orchestrator that allows to um, instantiate new network function, uh, VNF, the virtual network functions, um, one can uh, just hijack the orchestration procedure and instead of orchestrating a specific VNF, it may orchestrate a wrong VNF in a wrong place. And that itself is pretty bad in terms of reliable operation. Similarly, uh, for the hypervisor of virtualization security, if a hypervisor is under attack or gets uh, compromised, and then the VNF, the virtual network function from one tenant, may be able to attack another tenant by compromising uh, the reliable operation. So um, these are the, some of the pillars so when we design an end-to-end -end 5G network uh, we need to look into and make sure we have proper security requirement and mitigation technique uh, which are available and designed from the very get-go. Where are these risks focused? Are they mainly at the consumer level or at the enterprise level as well? So different security risks uh, that are uniquely related to 5G um, are observed both on the consumer level and as well as uh, 
the enterprise level, right? Uh, I'll just give example because 5G is currently positioned to enable uh, connectivity across uh, many verticals, right? So the security risk will be largely determined uh, by the types of use cases for these verticals or the types of application that are supported by these verticals, right? And these verticals could be transportation, fast responder, smart city, uh, tactical networks, uh, or industrial automation. And the application they support may have different key performance indicators. For example, uh, they may need different kind of bandwidth, different kind of uh, latency, or different kind of system control. So based on these KPIs, uh, we need to design our 5G network, and for each of these KPIs, we have to enable those components like Edge Cloud or SDN-NAB that may need proper security measures to be in place. Maybe one, one point to add into this is uh, it's helpful always to look at the reference architecture for 5G. So up till the end, we're looking into the end user devices and systems, systems that are enabled by the 5G. And then uh, after that demarcation point, we're looking at the main core networks and the uh, connecti connectivity to the cloud. Now, uh, at the end user level, we might be even dealing on that level with enterprise and end users as well. Uh, so that speaks volumes to the complexity of 5G and how the risks are um, propagated through even uh, some uh, architecture uh, demarcation points, making it uh, much more challenging to enforce cybersecurity functions and uh, require much more creativity and critical thinking when imposing uh, security solutions. Um, for example, one example is uh, in one survey, most of the respondents from ISP providers and telecom carriers responded saying that they are looking at zero trust models to enable security on the 5G. And zero trust models requires um, really robust, scalable uh, certificate management on all end devices and subcomponents of the 5G architecture before uh, within uh, within the endpoint ecosystem and within the 5G uh, core system. So this is one of the one of the solutions that can actually mitigate risks from end to end on a 5G platform. Some some types of the risks. And how do you anticipate security risk and mitigation with 5G evolving over time? <clears throat> so within any security uh, framework, when you, want, when you look at a complex system and you look at a system that incorporates, uh, as Ashutish mentioned, many building blocks, uh, uh, the designers of the system have to incorporate from the very beginning an approach to assess uh, the threats that are evolving with time and um, assess the impact of such threats as they are actually happening. And this, this is usually for, uh, formalized through a risk management framework. So I, uh, we believe that uh, this is uh, conducive for a 5G network to perform these um, realistic uh, risk, management, uh, risk assessments on some of the scenarios and People should be paying attention to the scenarios that are relevant to the use cases. Uh, for example, when we're looking at threats uh, of the type of um, electromagnetic interference, this has always been there, but with 5G and the uh, different use cases for 5G, this takes a new uh, shape and form. 
uh, also risks related to uh, resources exhaustion. And this is relevant to STN um, uh, virtual functions, uh, cloud resources, uh, slicing. So any of these uh, modular blocks to, uh, that um, uh, shape a service, if they are targeted within the control platform or from a user via um, a massive IoT risk request or something of that sort, this will, uh, this will cause a resource exhaustion that will impact the reliability of the 5G as a whole system or a major component of the 5G. So a risk management platform will say, okay, this is, these are the threats that are currently um, happening. Let's assess for some of the use cases, what are the impacts? And based on that, let's look at the existing uh, security controls that are implemented and what's missing, what is the gap and what's the priority to mitigate the high risks um, within that time frame. And adopting that, uh, methodology will help us as the threats continue to evolve because threats are just a point in time and your security metrics are a point in time. Now, um, a basic uh, evolution or innovation that will help the, uh, 5G is um, incorporating that risk assessment into security automation, meaning if, if uh, by some innovation and research, we can formalize an indicator of threat saying, Okay, based on the latest threat intelligence, we know that is uh, happening in outside uh, in the environment in the ecosystem. Then, can we automate part of the provisioning of security functions to uh, proactively protect certain parts of the network in anticipation of this threat sector? So this is uh, where automation ties in into risk ma uh, risk management. This is not yet the case, but this will, we expect this to be more prevalent in future systems to enable us to uh, mitigate evolving uh, cyber threats. Yeah. Ashutosh, do you want to add? Sure. I'd like to add a few things, uh, Iman, uh, here. Um, I'll just take a specific use case. And we have a term here which is 5G evolving over time. Uh, so today we have 5G, 5G beyond, maybe it'll be 6G. Um, that is one specific uh, example I like to give is open source. Um, as 5G and beyond evolves, uh, we are going to be relying maybe more on uh, open source type solutions. Uh, and uh, while open source gives us a lot of modularity and um, acceleration to deploy, uh, it also has potential risks. So that is something uh, we all need to keep in mind. Um, what are the potential risks? Uh, associated with the open source. And the second thing, uh, Iman, you talked about the automation, uh, which is very important, uh, how quickly uh, you detect if there is an attack happening and how quickly you mitigate that. Uh, this closed loop automation, uh, to a large extent, depend on uh, the traffic variance, uh, the service variance means type of application, uh, and they call it control variance, so where exactly you want to put this closed-loop automation, whether it should be in the edge, uh, should be in the core, or deep down in the application layer. Um, so to a large extent, uh, that will determine how quickly you can detect and mitigate. Uh, and over time, um, I'd like to add that some of the AI and machine learning techniques could be applicable uh, to determine the attack before the attack actually happens. And Iman, I think you talked about zero trust, right, where uh, how we can deploy those techniques 
to prevent the attack altogether. Yeah, excellent, uh, excellent point, Ashton. Just a follow-up. Uh, and even when we look at uh, automation that is enabled by AI and machine learning, as we uh, have discussed many times, uh, how to monitor AI and machine learning to establish the trust in the algorithm and to ensure that it continues to perform consistently with what it has been designed, the design goals for the algorithms, right? What potential solutions might be developed to make 5G reliably secure? So, um, when we look at um, the solutions that will um, enable 5G to catch up, to continuously be ahead of the game in cybersecurity and be able to uh, deliver to its promise of being reliable and resilient, um, some of the main uh, trends are already being seen now, but uh, they want, they need to be uh, evolved over time and innovated over time. Um, one of the building blocks is encryption and certificate management. And uh, one of the subtleties in that is, as we all know, quantum computing threatens um, the current, quant uh, quant uh, current encryption uh, algorithms and certificate uh, uh, infrastructures. So to be robust, future robust or future proof, uh, we have to start right now looking into uh, BKI infrastructure, public key infrastructure to enable the zero trust models with quantum safe uh, algorithms and uh, encryption. That's one of the approaches. The other approach, we are looking now into zero trust. But as uh, zero trust will, will require a massive scale of uh, public key infrastructure and certificate management. Uh, we have we have started seeing uh, trust platforms such as blockchain. Blockchain enables you within that certificate management to um, say this endpoint is trusted to actually connect to the network, or this um, antenna is, uh, or this base station is not a road base station. It's an authentic uh, part of the network. So similar solutions to establish trust, whether it's blockchain or something similar that is scalable and reliable will add to reliability of the 5G network. Other solutions should take into account the use cases for low latency. And the challenge comes from, let's imagine together a use case for uh, transportation or power systems. Um, within, if we are looking at 5G enabling this, these low latency use cases, then um, the delay that is incorporated by security functions going back uh, through to the core and uh, going to the core and that this might not be acceptable within the key in, uh, key performance indicators for such use cases. So needed innovation will say, okay, at the edge, how can I enable these use cases within the low latency requirements with security guarantees? And this will require innovations into um, uh, light authentication or fast authentication. And this is beginning to be uh, investigated in the academia and industry as well to enable these use cases. Um, so as mentioned so far, trust platforms, uh, uh, safe, uh, safe quantum uh, algorithms or encryption, and um, uh, low latency light authentication, for example. These are three examples of gaps that are existing in security controls right now that need more investments to establish reliable and robust uh, security uh, controls. In addition, um, one other point that we have to address as well is AI and machine learning. 
We know that the complexity of 5G will require orchestration and optimization that can only be handled by um, of the likes of machine learning and AI. And this will become more prevalent as we uh, go uh, to 5G and beyond networks. Now, it's necessary to establish some monitoring of these uh, algorithms as they function, especially if they are to orchestrate security functions. Um, the dynamic service chaining or security as a service, right? So that is uh, an important piece, and that can be enabled um, by having a closed loop that we talked about, uh, something uh, that detects, that means you need to have a solid platform for security monitoring. That means um, ability to monitor the control, user plane, control plane, and data plane um, signaling. Uh, at the same time, having a, Analytics that can uh, provide the analytics to an orchestrator platform like ONAP, and then having an interface from uh, your orchestration platform to a software-defined uh, network controller like uh, ODL or Onos type, and finally uh, having some enforcement point um, on the DDoS or IDS or IPS type functionality that interfaces with this uh, SDN controller. So that will allow one um, to detect any attacks that's coming up, either at your cloud RAN or at the core or at the application layer, and how quickly you can um, send it to orchestration. So what is going to happen is you, you recover a resolve at the same time. So while you are detecting uh, the attack, who is attacking it and the details of the attack and trying to mitigate, at the same time you are uh, recovering uh, the network resources by having the ability to dynamically scale up the network. So in that situation, in, in the case of a denial of service attack, you can still sustain the attack and any kind of priority services, they will still continue to be provided while you figure out who is attacking it and finally mitigate that and then scale down the network. So uh, I believe the, this kind of security as a service uh, with the help of dynamic service chaining will be uh, very, very essential. Speaks to um, the opportunities that are provided by 5G for isolation, proper mitigation, and, uh, and uh, forensics afterwards. Um, I thought maybe we should add something on the application layer uh, for security capabilities that will enable 5G to continue to operate. Because as you know, 5G extends from the physical layer to the application layer. One of the use cases for security is around 5G fraud. And we haven't touched on that uh, previously, but within 5G fraud, 5G, would 5G with all the pieces that tie into it enable uh, better, uh, enable providers and carriers better control over fraud within the subsystem and within the use cases? As threat vectors targeting 5G evolve, what would be the best approach to ensure reliable system operation? That means we need to have a close connection between the KPIs that you discussed, right, for any specific type of application. And then um, how do we adapt your network accordingly to make sure your KPIs are uh, properly um, attained? Right? Because if you uh, – the other thing I was thinking is, um, I think you might have talked about it, uh, they call it defense in depth. That means – uh, you have to design your network, and from the very get-go, uh, you need to keep um, 
all the security uh, potential security risk in mind and design your network accordingly. It's not like uh, you wake up and uh, figure out, well, this is a security risk and I go to design my network. So we have to keep in mind uh, potential threat vectors and do an end-to-end analysis. When I say that, uh, you open up your network, open up your uh, interface, network interface, look at all the components that um, comprise your network, and try to do a thorough analysis, we call it threat taxonomy, of each of the component, each of the interface, and what types of um, attacks could happen. Uh, if you design that ahead of time, then uh, you can think about the mitigation techniques um, and potential risks that you mentioned earlier uh, to have uh, the mitigation technique that can be applied. If you do not have a security control, uh, you make sure you put the proper security control in place. Um, it has to be like an iterative process, right, Iman? Yeah. Yes, exactly. And that's, uh, that's what the risk management framework does. Uh, but I like the point, Ashtash, where you mentioned uh, the system is not a point in time. The, de the system design is not a point in time. So 5G is an evolving living system. And I don't think that's uh, an overstatement because the orchestration, the automation, the optimization, the uh, dynamic allocation of resources uh, between the user and the control plane, the different, uh, how you can actually shape the network based on the changing KPIs based on, based on the changing attacks, based on the current state of system security or system service levels, required service levels, attest to the requirement for uh, operators, security uh, analysts that are working on the system, and automation, like what are the right levels of automation to make that um, feasible. It goes back into, yes, you have to have a very deep understanding of the system the services, the APIs, the, 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 the system calls between the APIs and what components work how. And even in the design of network slicing for, uh, for proper isolation so that um, you have a reliability metric of the system because of the security by design that you have done at the very beginning, but that you will continue to do over time as your cases changes, as the threat landscape changes, uh, and as uh, your load or re your requirements change. What are the inherent security opportunities resulting from 5G enablers? Um, so first of all, I'd like to uh, make it clear when you say security opportunities, means um, when we add or move to a new type of network, add new enablers, um, that uh, provide us some opportunity uh, in terms of uh, you know, reducing the CapEx or OpEx or smooth operation of the network, et cetera. Uh, but we already discussed uh, some of the security issues um, associated with those enablers. Uh, what I'm talking about here is um, there are some security implications that could be minimized by having these enablers. So there are two things. One is by introducing those enablers, there are security issues that need to be taken care of. And this question we're talking about, uh, the security opportunities that will be um, provided uh, by these enablers, which are otherwise not available in uh, previous generation of network. And I'll give you a few examples here. Um, first example is uh, by having a 5G network, uh, and 5G technology it inherently uh, gives the resilience support and flexibility support. 
So I'll just take an example of um, the network function virtualization and SDN. Um, these are the enablers of 5G. When they were not there, if there was an attack taking place, a denial of service attack, um, and at that time it was taking long time to um, detect, long time to uh, reprovision the network or dynamically provision the network. But with 5G technology, this specific issue is taken care of because NFB and SDN by default inherently provides this uh, resiliency of the network uh, by scaling up and scaling down the network on demand. So, so denial of service attack, the effect of denial of service attack uh, is minimized by having this uh, resiliency. Uh, at the same time, uh, if there is attack taking place, uh, how quickly I detect and uh, mitigate that? By having um, SDN controller in this closed loop, uh, uh, closed loop function, it has the ability to dynamically go, go and um, service chain this DDoS, IDS, and IPS and block this malicious uh, traffic going to any customer's premises. So that is a opportunity, um, the programmability and flexibility. Um, the third one I wanted to talk about is slicing. Uh, network slicing is another enabler. So network slicing itself uh, provides the ability to assign um, resources to priority applications. Uh, you know, let's say IoT application, fast responder application, automotive application, they all uh, get uh, resources from end to end. Uh, so this is a opportunity, right? But at the same time, we uh, discussed earlier, uh, slicing itself uh, also gives rise to some security issues that uh, needed to be taken care of. So um, this question, we are just highlighting some of the opportunities, uh, security opportunities those are provided, because if there is no slicing, uh, the priority services uh, is properly not hampered, and you cannot separate one application from another application, right? If a first responder wants to send um, high quality of service uh, audio and video, uh, that can be made possible uh, by use of uh, slices. But at the same time, uh, virtualization is um, another opportunity where you can um, segment your computing resources and provide one type of um, application to one VNF or tenants, another type of application to another VNF or tenant, right? So these are the some of the high-level um, security-related opportunities that we can obtain from uh, 5G type technology. Iman, you'd like to add to that? Thanks, Ashtosh. Um, um, perfect. I just want to follow up on saying um, these uh, capabilities of 5G, the enablers of 5G, do provide some inherent characteristics that are and like uh, intuitive to uh, expand our security and controls. Even provide security controls that are not uh, that were not available in other systems, such as uh, slicing. Uh, what I wanted to add is to make sure that we reap the benefits of these inherent characteristics, we need to actually implement additional security controls and properly design the system with this thinking in mind. Uh, meaning, for example, when we design the slicing, we have proper isolation of the slices, uh, of the slices and some cap on uh, resources for uh, critical slices, for example critical service assigned as slices to make sure that if th something happens to the resources, these slices continue to survive. 
Uh, this takes us to uh, talk about other types of opportunity that comes uh, from 5G. And um, I guess I hinted at that when we said properly designed with security in mind. So this requires investment in the security of 5G and, and a continuous improvement of this security. But this could uh, give us like uh, uh, several faults of benefits. One benefit is to enable our system to be resilient, flexible, reliable, as Ashtash mentioned. The other thing is it enables the providers and carriers to extend their business into new arenas. Uh, and I'll mention one example. Uh, we hear more about security as a service. If a service provider or a carrier uh, implements the proper uh, security controls up to the edge with monitoring, with uh, some forensics and incident response, then that service provider can actually offer the serv uh, security as a service for its clients, including enterprise clients and different uh, use cases such as a certain uh, a transportation provider or uh, a smart city. Yeah, um, thank you, Iman. Um, I also like to, uh, to add one more thing I, I forgot to discuss, uh, which is very, very important. Uh, as uh, the operators are trying to get into 5G, they're building this SDN and FB type network. One of the component is Cloud RAN and separation of user plane and control plane, right? Uh, so by having uh, Cloud RAN or ORAN type uh, uh, networks, uh, you are separating your BBU and RRH functionality. Um, so thereby, you are also uh, dynamically adding uh, RAN functionality, RAN functions um, in the network. So in case of uh, lots of IoT type device, billions of IoT devices trying to get connected, you can easily um, scale up um, your uh, RAN functionality uh, on the BBU side in the cloud, right? And, and the same security monitoring um, mitigation technique can be easily uh, ported in the cloud RAN, thereby you can detect the type of attacks uh, early enough uh, so your core network is uh, not really affected. So that is uh, another opportunity as well. Where can people learn more about 5G security? So Iman and I um, are the security working group co-chair. Um, that's uh, one of the uh, roadmap working group. Um, it's called IEEE Future Network um, International Network Generation Roadmap. We call it INGR. Um, there are 15 uh, roadmap working groups within Future Networks, uh, IEEE Future Networks, um, and security is one of them. Uh, if you visit uh, the website, futurenetworks.ieee.org uh, slash roadmap, uh, you will uh, get to know more details. Uh, we have already published the first edition of the INGR roadmap. Uh, you should be able to find out in the website. And that talks about uh, uh, some of the things Iman and I spoke about today, but it goes into details of um, three-year, five-year, and ten-year how the security landscape is going to look like, how it's going to be useful uh, for 5G and beyond, or 6G or 7G. Um, so that's a good uh, source um, you can uh, take a look. Uh, in addition, we also have uh, bi-weekly meetings. Uh, you're welcome to um, join this group, contribute. Uh, we have started working on uh, the second generation of um, the roadmap. Uh, at the same time, there are lots of opportunities like uh, 
uh, podcasts like we are doing today, uh, webinars, uh, research articles, and testbeds, etc. Uh, Iman, you'd like to add to that? Yeah, I want to add just one thing is um, being involved with these initiatives within IEEE enables you to um, kind of get more visibility into what's happening in parallel the different uh, initiatives and efforts, as well as uh, help shape. If we feel, for example, there is a need or a serious gap in security in a certain area that we anticipate to be uh, prevalent in five to ten years, we can point into that and that we can actually work on making special editions, special journals, special conference uh, symposium that will uh, in, uh, provide an incentive for people to pay attention to these uh, these gaps. So it's uh, very rewarding to be part of the ecosystem. Yeah, um, that's a good point. Uh, so there are lots of resources here. Um, while IEEE, um, with the help of uh, about we have our 46 societies within IEEE. About 23 of those uh, are contributing uh, to uh, IEEE's Future Networks uh, Initiative. And Security Working Group uh, also does collaborate with uh, other 14 uh, working groups uh, to see what are the potential uh, security implications uh, they might have. For example, MIMO, hardware, millimeter web, uh, edge automation application. Uh, so we have an opportunity to um, interact and collaborate with them um, and find out how we can look at their work and what are the potential security implications there. So this is happening um, within IEEE, uh, but we also uh, do collaborate um, and attend other relevant standards uh, like 3GPP, uh, ITF, uh, ITU, and ETSI. Um, and we try to complement the work they're doing by developing uh, new technologies or new algorithms, new optimization techniques uh, in security, how it can um, help the architecture being developed by, let's say, 3GPP or protocol developed by uh, ITF. Um, so that is a added benefit. Uh, you want to add anything, uh, Iman, on the standard side? Um uh, just a collaboration with the standards group of IEEE because we all know like how uh, are the strength of IEEE when it comes to standards. So there is also the opportunity within IEEE to look at the gaps in standards or try to facilitate more conversations between the main standards bodies that you mentioned, Ashish. Right, right. And the other thing um, I um, wanted to also mention about the test beds. Um, within IEEE Future Network Initiative, we have a test bed working group. Uh, but at the same time, uh, we also have uh, MOU agreement with a uh, few of the testbed like WinLab, uh, Rutgers WinLab, and 5G Lab in Germany, and few other testbed where um, IEEE uh, volunteers or members of Future Network Initiative, and they get a chance to um, log in and do any kind of experimental work. Uh, so, for example, um, if somebody wants to try some security-related experiment, um, they can join this group, and by being a member of this group, you get access to these, uh, these labs and can run your own experiments. Uh, we are also trying to collaborate with NSF's um, uh, the power testbed. Um, we're trying to see how we can get access to those testbeds. Uh, at the same time, IEEE Standards Activity recently has come up with IEEE Open, where they are building an open source testbed. Thereby, you can try various um, 
security-related experiments. So collaboration is uh, very important, um, not only with academics, with industry, with the vendor community, uh, develop the security requirements ahead of time, bring it to standards and build some proof of concept to make sure um, some of the security um, challenges or issues that we talked about uh, should be validated or demonstrated, right? So it's like a complete ecosystem and we need help from uh, and collaboration from uh, everybody around the world uh, to make the 5G and beyond more secure. Uh, Iman, any, any, anything else you'd like to add? Yes, one final thought is around trust. So when we discuss security or cybersecurity in general, we're talking about how we trust the technology that enable our day-to-day -day life. And this is exactly what we're talking about when we talk about being involved in shaping the initiatives or trying to um, be part of the ecosystem to make sure that we build trustworthy systems or uh, we, build, we help guide the design and build out of trustworthy systems. Thank you for listening to this edition of the IEEE Future Networks podcast with the experts. Discover more about the IEEE Future Networks initiative and inquire about participating in this effort by visiting our web portal at futurenetworks.ieee.org.